Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Lionsgate Podcast with Saudi and Omni. I'm Omni. And I'm Saudi. And today we're going to do our first ever true crime crossover, and it's going to be all about the Black Dahlia unsolved mystery case. If you guys have any questions for us or any stories you want us to share, you can ask us those on TikTok at Saudi and Omni or our Facebook, which is Lionsgate Podcast with Saudi and Omni. Or you could just email it in the old fashioned way at Saudi and Omni at gmail.com. That is S-A-H-D-I-A-N-D-O-M-N-I. I think it's really important to go over how we got led to doing a mm-hmm. true crime crossover episode because it's very synchronistic yes i was gonna say serendipitous but i think synchronistic Mm -hmm. covers it so i'll start off and then i want you to so i was in the morning scrolling tiktok like i do (laughs) like we do and i came across this lady that was a psychologist for many years she was talking about how she got called into this case for this girl that was in prison really sucked me in. And she was talking about how the girl was really small and meek and she was interviewing her and the girl and her demeanor and all her years of psychology, like she said within one session, she was not only convinced that the girl was innocent, but she was almost enraged a little bit about how the girl was in prison with other criminals. And she was like, I was making notes. I was just kind of angry. And she goes, and I looked up and I saw this look from this girl and she's like her eyes her whole face the whole energy in the room just changed and she was like it was like a demon looking at me and then she goes on to tell me that this was a girl on an episode of snap that I watched like 10 years before and this girl had basically convinced her boyfriend to kill her whole family with katana swords and stuff In the episode, I remember the police was talking about how they thought that she was innocent too. And just that kind of manipulation. But the fact that the lady was talking about how she thought she was like it was a demon, it kind of put me down this rabbit hole of like, well, how would we, how would Saudi and I look at cases like this in a spiritual sense? And it really, for the first time ever, because a lot of times me and Saudi talk about episodes, we kind of like talk about episodes we want to do. And and we plan a couple episodes out. We do a lot of research, you know, to back us up. But this was the first time where I was like, no, I literally texted her right away and was like, look, I'm feeling pushed to do this. You brought it up to me that maybe we should do true crime. Yeah. I was a little hesitant at first mm-hmm. because we try to keep it on that spiritual track. Yep. You know what I mean? But of course, I love you. So I'm mm-hmm. like, OK, I'm just going to I'm going to kind of go with that and mull it over in my own head. And you did send me that video Mm -hmm. about the girl. Yeah. And I guess the lady that interviewed her to this day still has anxiety attacks. Yeah. And sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis. And she's, she really feels like part of whatever was in that little girl is now attached to her. Yeah. So I thought it was pretty crazy and I looked into it. But what really made the synchronicity aligning was when I went out to lunch with a friend of mine that I hadn't seen in a long time. And she went home and listened to our podcast. And even though she's not really into spiritual podcasts at all, Mm -hmm. she loves podcasts in general. And she called me and she was like, have you guys ever thought about doing a true crime? Mm -hmm. Because I would love (laughs) to hear you do one. And I literally threw my phone across the bed. (laughs) And I was like, that's weird. Like, as long as we've been doing this podcast, nobody's ever brought up true crime before. Mm -hmm. And then you brought it up to me and then a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. 
doesn't know you at all. Yeah. And didn't know about our conversation. And she brought it up. She didn't so even know like, about our podcast until that day. Until that day. Yeah. <laughs> and so then you were like, okay, well, I remember you telling me, uh, yeah, I mean, we can do that. I, I'm not really hyped like it on it like you are, but I mm-hmm. trust you. And that's right. like amazing because we have this, this trust in each other. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time I've ever felt pulled. And then, so we were thinking about actually doing a true crime about that case. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned the Black Dahlia. Yep. And I was like, well, everybody's heard of the Black Dahlia, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know a lot of information on it. Mm -hmm. So when I started researching her, the very first thing that I found out about her was she was born in Boston, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And so was I. Yep. She bounced between New England and Florida. Mm -hmm. And so did I. I grew up in Florida. Mm -hmm. And she was also a waitress. And so am I, you know, and I was like, wow, all these things are synchronistic. Mm -hmm. And then I got to the part where she went to Medford High School And I was like, okay, I have to do this because my mom went Mm -hmm. to Medford High School and my aunts and uncles went to Medford High School. So she went to the exact same high school in Mm -hmm. this small town that my family went to as well. And I'm just like, okay, that's it. Right. (laughs) And then I was like, I said, how do you feel? And I don't know where this came from. I was just because a lot of times I'll just send you like a voice clip and be Mm -hmm. spilling all my like crazy thoughts out to you. And you listen whenever you get a second. And usually 12 o'clock when I wake (laughs) up in the afternoon. Yeah. And I was like, they came in at five o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I get up super early sometimes. It's a great way to wake up. I love your voice clips. (laughs) But I'm like, how would you feel about doing a reading? Would you want to do a reading on the air? Or would that be too much pressure? And you're like, no, I'm totally down. I immediately thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Saudi's well, that's always what I down. do for a living. Yeah. And um, I do. Yeah. Your readings are amazing. Away. Well, and this is more of a channeling because mm-hmm. it's a, sp- you know, her spirit. Well, I'm a medium also. So yes. I channel. Exactly. And so that's what I do. So, and it's really crazy because I've been researching mm-hmm. um, Elizabeth all week mm-hmm. and I felt her around me. Mm-hmm. So I'm, but I've been pushing it away. I haven't wanted to do anything <laughs> premeditative because yeah. I'm like, okay, anything you have to tell me, let's do it on air, on air together. Yeah. With Omni. Um, Cause I really want you to be a part of that. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps. Well. I feel, I keep feeling like telling, telling my, my story, telling my truth. I keep feeling that message mm-hmm. coming through as you're talking. And then I know you were like, yeah, yeah I'm channeling I feel like she's already. been wanting to tell me things. Mm-hmm. And I've just been like, not yet patiently, you know, mm-hmm. just be patient. We're going to get there. We're going to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And who knows, we might solve the case tonight. I don't know. <sighs> so- um, but I do want to hear her side of it. And um, tonight, I started to get a little bit nervous because I was like, what if she's already crossed over? What if she's reincarnated? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I can't channel her. Right. But I don't really feel like that's the case. I can sense her with me right now. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. She's yeah. here with us. And you were saying throughout when you were researching and all the connections, mm-hmm. it was like everything was aligning. Right. And so maybe she was the one that pushed us in this direction because we I talked about this, what, like two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. And we were like, okay, so our next episode is this. It's like, no, actually, it needs to be the true crime. Like the sense of urgency right. that it I felt. the true crime next yes, episode. We need to do that. One. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I was like, I really feel like, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't feel like I'm always like, whatever, you know, whatever we want to talk yeah. about, because we could talk about anything for hours, especially when it comes to like <laughs> right. spooky stuff. Mm-hmm. But okay, so Saudi, so, yeah. we both did research on it. Saudi really, I think you really dived into her adolescence and her 
<laughs> her wild teens her or whatever. wild size. She did seem like a little bit of a wild teenager, but mm-hmm. a normal wild teenager. One that we would be friends with. Right. Let me just exactly. get that. <laughs> well, back in the 1940s. Yeah. She was considered probably a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, she wasn't the type that was like, oh, I can't wait till my wedding day or <laughs> any of that. She wanted to get out of her small town and be famous and like, we'll get into all that. Yeah. Like but a yeah. Marilyn Monroe type. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like I said, she was born in Boston and um, her her real name was Elizabeth Short. The reason why they called her the Black Dahlia in the first place, because she was known, it was like her trademark, her signature, mm-hmm. was you would always find her with a flower in her hair. Oh, yeah. Real quick. We are drinking flower tea and I will post that on our TikTok because there's a bunch of flowers in it and it is a really dark purple. Mm -hmm. And our friend Vinny has a garden and he grows black dahlias. And he was telling me today he goes, it looks black, but when the sunlight hits it, it's like a, a, yeah, like a, a really like dark red purple color, which is beautiful. And I threw this tea together with all these different flower ingredients and it turned out dark purple. So that Mm. was. Yeah, I was impressed by that too. I was like. (laughs) I was like, whatever I feel. Thanks, Mm -hmm. Elizabeth. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Do you want to talk just a little bit about her childhood? Yeah. Okay, we can start there. Yeah. So her dad, his name was Cleo, and her mom's name was Phoebe, and they were divorced. Mm -hmm. And she lived most of her life in New England and Florida, kind of bounced back and forth between the two. When she became a teenager, she, like we were saying, she Mm -hmm. was like a wild child. Mm -hmm. She just felt like she was a big fish in a small pond Mm -hmm. living in her small town. And she just couldn't wait to get out of there. And she had stars in her eyes. Anybody that would listen, she would tell them, I'm going to be a movie star. Mm -hmm. And that's what she was manifesting for herself. When she became a teenager, she decided that she didn't want to live with her mom anymore. And she was going to go to California to go live with her dad. And I guess from what I gather, he was a pretty abusive type person but I don't think she wanted to go there to be close to her dad at all right he had told her okay I'll send you $800 I'll let you come stay with me but you have to cook and clean and basically be my maid Mm -hmm. to earn your keep here right and so she was probably like okay dad whatever Mm -hmm. she only made it three weeks with her dad (laughs) (laughs) right he got mad at her and he's like you're not doing anything you said you were gonna do you're gone all the time and he was you know verbally abusive with her and he's like you're nothing but a little so-and-so and didn't he call her like a whore and stuff yeah, he yeah. said that she was a whore and you know that she wasn't ladylike and you slut shaming right, jerk pretty much like <laughs> you're not doing what you said you're not being ladylike and cleaning and cooking yeah. and doing the laundry and all those things that i wanted you to do when you got here so you need to get the fuck out yeah and she was like okay yeah <laughs> no problem bet uh-huh. <laughs> So she moved out to be a waitress on the military base for nine months. And then she moved to San Diego. Oh, okay. The military base was in the same town as her father. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And then she moved to San Diego. She was like, I don't like this town. It's just like a little small town, just like where I just came from. Right. So I'm going to San Diego. And so she got out to San Diego and she found this all night theater. And she walked into the theater, ordered herself a drink, and she met this lady named Dorothy. And Dorothy worked there. And so I guess they got to talking all night long and they really hit it off. And she let her know, like, I just moved here. I don't have anywhere to live. I don't have any money. But this is what I'm here for. And I really don't care who believes in me. I believe in myself and I'm going to make it. And so Dorothy just fell in love with her. Mm -hmm. And she was like, okay, you're not going to live out on the streets. You're coming home with me. Dude, how many people have we ran into 
like that working in the industry we have mm-hmm. that we take time out to talk to them. Right. You know, mm-hmm. but I've never taken one home. Never taken one home, but we're talking about yeah, like the 1940s. 40s, yeah. So things were like a little bit different there. I think yeah. people were like more trusting. Yeah, because they didn't have internet. No, <laughs> They didn't have internet. You know, there was crime, yeah. but it wasn't like it is now. Right. People didn't lock their doors and people really didn't have mm-hmm. a lot of fear and stuff. And this woman, Dorothy, probably looked at her like, you're beautiful. Because yeah. she was. She had beautiful black hair mm-hmm. and a gorgeous body. And she looked like a model. She looked like she should be famous. Right. And she was probably like, I'm not going to let you stay out here on the streets. Yeah. Because no. Something will happen to you. Yeah, you're coming home with me. Yeah. I got you. And so she ended up living there for about a month. Wait, is Dorothy the lesbian? No. Okay, sorry. Foreshadowing. Just some nice foreshadowing <laughs> that we that know of. A twenty-four hour theater <laughs> that let her come. Oh, stay she with worked her. at a theater. She was definitely bisexual. <laughs> Probably. Oh my god! I'm a Maybe. theater brat. <laughs> I love the theater. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. All right. I love you. <laughs> so anyway, yes, Dorothy yeah. just worked at this all night theater and met her, and so she moved in here with her for about a month. Okay. And after about a month, um, they got along really well, but she was like on to bigger and better things mm-hmm. because that's, that's Elizabeth. Yeah. She's just like not going to stay in one place for very long. Mm-hmm. So she ended up telling her, hey, I have a friend of mine named Red. He's going to pick me up. Oh, and, yeah. Okay. And yeah. And so that was the last time that Dorothy ever saw her. She gave her a hug. She told her she loved her. She wished her well. Aww. She saw her get into a car with some guy named Red. Okay. She packed her stuff and that was it. So, that. So we can back up. Yeah. No, let's go forward real quick. Okay. When I looked into the Black Dahlia, I started from the actual murder, which happened on January 15th, 1947. Her name was Elizabeth Short, as we said. Betty Briganor. She found her in Los Angeles on 3800 South North Avenue. She was mistaken for a mannequin because she was drained of blood. She was so pale and there was no blood on her and no blood around her at all. So obviously she was drained of blood somewhere else and got dumped. She was cut open with a surgical precision and she was cut in half. And then her mouth was slit on each side to create like a creepy smile, like the Joker. Mm-hmm. And then you had mentioned that she had, what What did she have on her hip? She had a lot of markings on her actually, yeah. but she had tic-tac-toe. That's right. That's carved right. into, I believe it was her right hip. And then she also had cut marks on her forehead. There was a lot going on. Yeah. In the original report that I wrote, it said that she wasn't raped. Mm -hmm. But there were definitely signs that I looked through. She was tortured. Yeah. Everywhere. I didn't read that she had the tic-tac-toe or other markings. That's big three things they released to the the press. The press. Yeah. Well, there was some yeah. things they didn't want to release. Right. And we'll get into that later. Yeah. There's some really like big details that yeah. they didn't want anybody to know because 27 people admitted to oh. committing the crime. So they were trying <laughs> to keep a lot of stuff secret because they're like, okay, we need to figure out if this is the person that actually committed the right. crime or if this is somebody just trying to take credit for it. I have 
Okay, so I have three suspects. We'll go over that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Let's keep going on with the murder. Those of you who have heard of Black Dahlia, but you're not sure of like what happened. She was dumped in where? Like in the suburb. So it was in the suburbs. It was a lady that was just walking um, her daughter to yeah. go buy some shoes. So they're walking through the suburbs. Right. That Betty. She, Betty. Yeah. And she glanced over and she looked and she saw the body. Oh. And of course, yeah, at first she thought, maybe that's a mannequin. I don't know what that is. But it scared her enough to run to a neighbor's and be like, hey, we need to call the police because this doesn't seem right. Just have them come and check it out. Yeah, because she had her daughter with her. Yeah, she had her little girl with her. Okay, so then nine days after, there was a message received, and it was addressed to the examiner, and it says, here is Dahlia's belongings, letter to follow. And then her social security card, her birth certificate, her snapshot. She had an old address book um, with pages ripped out. And then there was gasoline all over her belongings, which I guess removes prints. I didn't know that. And another part to that little black book that Mm -hmm. she had. My research wasn't, it wasn't just an address book. Right. Because Elizabeth... I don't want to call her a prostitute and degrade her Mm -hmm. in any kind of way, but she did use her body and her sexuality to get ahead and get to where she wanted to go. And especially back in that day and age, I mean, Hollywood, California, when you're, when you're going to, you want to be an actress, Mm -hmm. there was some things that a lot of women went through and had to do. Mm hmm. Um, she also went to like elite parties and things like that. So maybe not a prostitute, but definitely like escort. Yes, that's what or I was kind thinking. of like sleeping her way to the top. Yeah. And so inside that little black book wasn't you what? Know, just friends and families, yeah. phone numbers and addresses. These were her contacts, contacts. to climb the ladder. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that letter that was written to the examiner, it wasn't a handwritten letter that was cut out of magazines. And then there was a handwritten letter that is, here it is, turning in Wednesday, January 29th, 10 a.m. Had my fun with police. Black Dahlia Avenger. But then that was like the last letter they got. The the guy was like, I'm done with it. Right. But he did have her book and her mm-hmm. social security. Oh, it was definitely Hard him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was definitely him. He said he mm-hmm. was going to turn himself in and then he never did. And yeah, so turn himself in. No. So you go ahead and tell me about Red because I did some research on him and we'll just link up on that. Well, back to Dorothy. So Dorothy saw her leave with a guy named Red. Mm-hmm. And she also saw the make and model of the car that they drove away in. That's right. Once Elizabeth was found murdered. Mm-hmm. Of course, Dorothy was like, well, the last person that I knew that she was with was this guy named Red. And this is what he drove. So they somehow found a picture of him. And I don't know how they did their investigations <laughs> back then, but his name was Robert. Mm-hmm. And he had the same kind of car and they found a picture of him and they showed it to Dorothy. And they were like, is this the guy that she took off with? And she was like, yes, <laughs> like that is definitely who I saw her leave with last. Mm-hmm. So they tried to find out where Red was. And apparently he was married. And mm-hmm. they found out that two days after the murder, he took off to San Diego with a guy named Harry. Mm-hmm. So it was like one of his buddies or whatever. So two days after this woman that he was just with, she goes missing. And then Red just like disappears. So that sounds suspicious, right? Yes. All right. And he just takes off to San Diego. They do some researching and they find out who Harry is. And so they go to Harry's house and they show up because they need to question Robert. Mm -hmm. And when they get to the house, of course, nobody's home. 
So they look in the garage, they start looking all through the house, and they see the exact same car. So his car's there in Mm -hmm. the garage, but neither one of them are to be found, Robert or Harry. So the police stake out his house for two days straight. Mm -hmm. And two days later, Red shows up. (laughs) And they arrest him, they take him down to the police station, and they question him. Well, apparently he says, you know, he didn't have anything to do with it. He was innocent. They gave him two lie detector tests, and both of them came up clear that he was telling the truth. Mm -hmm. And then you had something to add to that. When I researched him, he came up as Robert Manley, which is full name, but red. And he had drove her to the hotel that she was staying at called the Baltimore. And that was the last place she was seen. The hotel mm-hmm. is thought to be haunted to this day, okay. where she's been seen floating through the walls, wearing all black. And you'd mentioned that she would always wear all black. Yeah, that's in why life. she got her name, the Black Dahlia. Yes. Um, the flower in her hair was her trademark, but she was also found wearing black lacy underwear. Mm-hmm. And she always wore black. Yeah. So basically, he picked her up. He's yeah. married, right? Right. But he goes and picks her up and takes her to a hotel. Oh, yeah. The Baltimore. Yeah. So... Okay, so the other, you know, maybe that was kind of like his side woman, like, oh, yeah, 100%. But he had a wife. And then maybe after she passed, if he didn't, well, we don't know if he did it or not. She was seen there with him. He had passed a poly test. But then he started hearing voices. And he went to a mental institute for a while. And they gave, um, there, they gave him a truth serum, sodium pentothoff. And he still passed. (laughs) So, but we were saying like, if you're mentally ill, you can pass those tests because you actually believe. And so some of the people theorized that he was being haunted because he was the one. Me personally, I don't feel like he has the skill because she was surgically cut in half. Right. And all of her blood was drained. Mm -hmm. You really couldn't do something like that inside of a hotel room. Right. Without there being some form of evidence because there's a lot of... He had an alibi that Mm -hmm. he was in... LA at the time of her death. Right. But I think but his alibi was probably from his wife. It <laughs> could have been. And she'd probably lie for him, even though he's a cheater, because it was the 1940s. Yeah. And we couldn't have bank accounts back then. <laughs> <laughs> and there was like, like I said, 27 different people. Yeah. That came forward to claim that they were the ones mm-hmm. that w- did this. There was this other guy that his name was Dan and he confessed, but later he said he was mentally ill and he didn't really do it. <laughs> but he had a lot of details like mentally ill or not. They really thought Dan did it for a hot minute. I mean, Dan is a sus name, but then <laughs> <laughs> that's my dad's name. But then there was other things that he didn't, there was like some things that they hid that he didn't know about from the press, from the press and stuff like, like that. Like the tic-tac-toe on her hip. The tic-tac-toe. And there was this other part. There was a woman that came forth way later, but mm-hmm. she had an inside person. She was a lesbian mm-hmm. and she had hung out with Elizabeth a few times. They mm-hmm. were supposedly in a sexual relationship briefly. Okay. And she claimed that she got really, really drunk one night and she thinks that she killed Okay, there was another guy named Joseph, and he got blackout drunk with Elizabeth in San Francisco before she was discovered. And when he was asked if he killed her, he said yes. But then, then he was discovered that he was on base from witnesses that at the time that she was murdered mm-hmm. but then i'm like okay i know some military guys and they would lie for each other right so well, with this other lady they almost believed her 
because she said they got into a fight and there was like this whole thing and she didn't remember all the details, but she remembered some of the details. And there was this one detail that really made them think that she did it. Mm -hmm. So this is a graphic, you guys. So there was a piece of her hair Mm -hmm. taken out of her head and shoved inside of her. Her vagina? Yeah. Oh my God. And this lady knew about that. So instantly they just went into this frenzy and they're like, oh my God, we got her. Like we got the killer. What the Um, fuck? Even though they had suspected that it was a man because of the strength that it takes to cut somebody in half. Mm -hmm. And it was just kind of done with a few slices. Mm -hmm. There was no hesitation marks either. The examiner had said that if this was somebody's like first kill, just because of all the knowledge that they had, they said that usually there would be hesitation marks at first. Mm -hmm. But this person was just like, nope, I know what I'm doing. Slice, slice. And it was it was done. And it does take a lot of physical strength from that. Not Mm -hmm. saying women aren't strong, but yeah, that would they theorize that it was probably a really strong man. Right. Because, I mean, especially in the 1940s, where being more masculine woman was looked down on. So right, exactly. And so, but they ended up finding out that this lady had also had a love affair with somebody that was in the police department. Mm-hmm. It was like a secretary or something like that. And she leaked the information to her. <sighs> and so I'm like, okay, She was whatever. good with her hands is what... Yeah. <laughs> she was good with something. Right. <laughs> Give me that information. <laughs> so I can lie about being a killer and go to prison forever. What the hell, 1940s people? Yeah. 26 people yeah 26 27 people like why because they were bored they didn't have internet just want to go to prison (laughs) they just want to be famous right oh my definitely so far what we have is um red Mm -hmm. which we think he's a possible suspect yeah and then um the the joseph guy isn't ruled out for me just because like we said mil i know military men and they're like brothers in arms and they will lie for each other so i mean not to paint all the military men well bad, did but he actually come forward himself or did he get pulled into the station he got and, and i questioned I because i heard that some of those interviews like when they would hear say somebody oh might be the killer yeah they would get them in and just torture them that could be that could be i'm so not sure he, do you, yeah we don't know i just know that he well i know he was asked so i'm i'm assuming he was brought in and then he was so he was like i was drunk i was blackout drunk I yeah I could have I could have I don't know right okay. <laughs> so what's what was his name yeah again? Joseph. His name Joseph all right Red and Joseph now yeah the final suspect that I think is a really good one is George Ugh, George, George. Hoddle yeah yeah curious George fucking George yeah I don't like this guy nope like okay so he was a doctor to the stars mm-hmm. and he thought he was just like a badass like he had a nice house he had a lot of money mm-hmm. and he used to throw what they considered back then shady parties mm-hmm. but i'm assuming because elizabeth was there kind of like his arm candy at a lot of the parties mm-hmm. it was probably like a swinger type yeah you know for sure i get drugs, that yeah a lot of alcohol and a lot of sex yeah at these parties well he was just like from what I hear about him, he was just a monster. So he was tried, not convicted, mm-hmm. because he had money and he had attorneys and everything. Mm-hmm. But he raped and molested his 14-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. Not only did he do that to her, but he got her pregnant. Yeah, I read about how he essayed his daughter, but I had no idea that he'd gotten her pregnant. Yeah, and then because he was a doctor, he was like, well, let me give you an abortion. Mm-hmm. And he tried to give her an abortion and it didn't work. Oh my! So yeah, 
this motherfucker, can you imagine the trauma that little girl went through? Yeah. I can't even. The abortion didn't work, so she had the baby, and the baby was given up for adoption. That's so sad. Yeah. But she ended up, like, telling people, and that's why he went to court. And he was acquitted at trial. So I thought that his daughter came forward and said I was essayed and that nothing came of it at all. I didn't know he even went to jail because at that time. He didn't go to jail. He or not jail. Court. Yeah, I went to court. Yeah, over he went it. to trial. Yeah. Over it. I didn't even know that. Yeah. But at that time, LA's police department was in history at that time was very, very corrupt. Mm -hmm. I know like we talked about his house being really nice, how he had parties. Well, the kids talked about because he had like 10 kids or something would talk about how they had secret rooms in that house. I'm and sure they did. Yeah, and, but they couldn't go into them. His one son was five at the time that the Black Dahlia murder mm -hmm. happened. He ends up becoming a police officer later on in life, and he's convinced his dad did it. But before we jump to that, talk about the recording devices. Oh, yeah. Okay, so they had gotten a couple anonymous tips. Mm -hmm. They were all from females mm -hmm. who called the police, and they were like, hey, you guys need to check out George because she's been over at his house a a lot yeah and he's a piece of shit yeah i was gonna say you know yeah, what i mean like these women were going to his parties and stuff but nobody really liked his ass yeah like, he was creepy arrogant, he was cocky he was creepy he was a chimo like not like a very decent person so they got like three different calls saying and just check on george mm -hmm. and they started looking into george and it was getting like creepier and creepier mm -hmm. according to the police department so they uh tapped his phones and bugged his house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw and that not too. Tapped his phone. It was, it was it was just his house. Yeah, right? he talked about his secretary, and he goes, "Well, she can't talk now because now she's dead." Yeah, he was like, "Well, you, no, I think the exact words. You're close." Yeah, his exact words that they got him on tape was, um, "Even if the secretary wanted to talk, she can't now because she's dead." Yeah, and his secretary did die a few, like maybe weeks before that. Of a drug overdose, mm -hmm. like a drug Qu overdose. Yeah, quotation quotes. marks. Yeah, right. So the, she, the secretary, might have known something about it. Yeah, it sounds like it. Mm -hmm. And then he talked about how he had paid off the LAPD on tape, and he's like, while the LAPD's listening. Yeah, and how easy it was to pay them off, and right. how he wanted to also pay off the the DA's office. Mm -hmm. And they have that on tape, and he was never convicted. So what else they have on tape, mm -hmm. it was February 18th. So this is a month and a couple days mm -hmm. after Elizabeth's murder, mm -hmm. after her body was found, because she was found on January 15th. Mm -hmm. They're listening in, right? Just They have his house bugged, and they're listening. And all of a sudden, they hear him talking to somebody, obviously talking on the phone. They can't hear what's on the other line. And then they hear a woman just scream. What the fuck? Mm -hmm. So they keep listening, listening, listening. A few minutes later, they hear this blood curdling, like woman screaming again. So they're like, okay, we need to kind of break this shit and we need to go in and check his house because it sounds like he has somebody like held hostage in there. Right. So they get to his house. They check his house from top to bottom. Nobody there. So that scream must have come from the other side of that phone. So whoever he was talking to mm -hmm. had a girl that was screaming. And so you have a theory on that, right? Because you, a, yeah, you, let's talk about it. I mean, I kind of feel, oh, because because after that, he was caught on the phone again. He didn't know his house was bugged. Yeah. So he gets back on the phone again. He's like, you might want to put a blanket over her face. Because the police were the just police here. The police were just here. So I'm thinking that if he did have something to do with her, my theory is that he wasn't working alone. Mm -hmm. So... 
There could have been two of them. Right. And there was another serial killer that kind of had the same MO as far as like mm-hmm. slicing, yeah, dicing. Yeah, he was called oh, what was the torso name? killer. Torso killer. Yeah. And he was from Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Oh, I also wanted to say when um, she was found, her right breast was cut off as well. Oh, so I didn't know that. She was cut in half, her breast was cut off, her face was sliced, and a joker smile. Yeah. The tic-tac-toe. I feel like I heard things. about the breast in, before, but mm-hmm. I didn't read it that when I was researching recently. So to jump over into a different serial killer case, in Cleveland, and this person was never found, mm-hmm. they would find bodies like in the woods, and it would just be a torso, mm-hmm. or it would just be a head. Or it would just be like a, a fraction of the body, like a leg or something like that. Yeah. And the thing that connects the two is that they were drained of all of their blood and they mm-hmm. were cleaned. So this person was like a clean freak. He would take mm-hmm. them somewhere, murder them, do whatever he wanted to them. And then he would drain them of all of their blood and cleanse them. And then he would he would put them like in a duffel bag. Or, Weren't they like transient people? A lot of them were because they were like... Some of them, they never even found out who these people were. Mm-hmm. And I guess it was like next to a, um, a train station mm. as well. So it could have been, they theorized that it could have been people coming from out of town or people just getting off the train and landing there and he would lure them in somehow. Mm-hmm. But they never really found out. Um, also, the other part that linked up was his letters he sent, right? Yeah. Because the Black Dahlia killer sent a letter to the coroner that was cut out pieces of magazines and then he sent a handwritten letter. But the cutout pieces of magazine was the same as a torso killer, right? Or no? Uh, well, the torso killer used to uh, send letters to... Yeah. The police department? The police department. That's right. Because right. when you were telling me about this, I was thinking police department, but it was the coroner for the Black Dahlia. But same same MO. If you're somebody investigating, all the true, true crime people here, if you're investigating... You would link that together. But anyway, so as I was saying, George, George's son, who was five at the time, had become a police officer and he was convinced that his dad had did it because he'd witnessed abuse apparently growing up because the house had hidden doors or hidden rooms. Oh, his dad had a picture of Elizabeth Short. Oh, I didn't hear that. And then he said that his dad's handwriting was the same. But every time they got a handwrite specialist, it was inconclusive. His daughter said that she was essayed in 2012 his son had a dog at the house to find a scent for human remains and the soil got tested and came back positive for human remains now this house is now owned by another private person and they allowed for the soil to be tested they don't allow for it uh, to be excavated so but this is proof probably the doctor was practicing. Also, another part of this case was we talked about the house being somewhere, but he also had a building where he saw patients around the area that she was found. So they didn't find any blood or anything in his house, but like, did they search his office? Because I never read anything about them searching his office. I mean, they might have. Yeah. Or if he has secret rooms in his house, I'm sure he has a secret room in his office to drain blood. And he would have the surgical precision to cut her the way he wanted to. And his narcissism seems to line up with all the hateful ways she was you know, sliced up. The LA DA, Stephen Kay, in 2003, said that with all the evidence that they've occurred over the last, what, 80 years now, mm-hmm. that he would have no problem filing charges. But for some reason, the police department still hasn't. 
Well, they what I heard was mm-hmm. they don't have any more evidence. Like they don't have anything on the Dahlia case. It's yeah. either been misplaced or yeah quotation marks Mm -hmm. they're covering their own ass yeah because right now we could probably do some dna testing and Mm -hmm. forensics and tell you exactly who did it yeah you know with a little investigation but from what i've heard everything on that case is no longer yeah it is magically went missing with Mm -hmm. and this motherfucker george yeah he just passed away in 1999 yeah and they've had forensics back Mm -hmm. then so whatever he did to pay off the police department, mm-hmm. which that self-proclaims, mm-hmm. yeah. that, that was evidence. So oh, yeah. he didn't have anything to worry about. That's disgusting. It yeah, so we disgusting. We can't say it's him yet. We're no, gonna- even his own son knew that he did it and nothing came of it. There was like a whole nother killer mm-hmm. in a different place. And I guess he had been killing for years. Yeah. And they just kept finding bodies like every three to four months. And it was drained of all of their blood which is really suspicious because Mm -hmm. they hadn't had anything like that in california and one of the last letters that he wrote to the police department was um i'm moving to sunny california that's right i forgot right and so and then she comes up and i'm not sure exactly the timeline between Mm -hmm. the two it could have been a couple months or a couple years i'm not exactly sure i'd have to do more research on that yeah He's like moving to sunny California. And then that happens. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I forgot you said that. <laughs> and so I don't I don't know if they're connected. I'm I, not, but I would think that I mean, what if that was the guy who was on the other end of the phone? Yep. Maybe even this George guy mm-hmm. was going to Cleveland on business or something. Mm-hmm. And they were killing people together in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So he could have been part of that. Yeah. And there's human remains in the soil at the house. They could definitely search it now, but I guess the person that owns the house doesn't want to excavate it because, you know. Yeah, because they don't care. It wasn't their family. That's That's terrible. That is terrible. Because if I lived there and they were like, hey, we need to find out. Like, we need closure with Mm -hmm. a murder. I'd be like, go ahead. Yeah, we need to put some spirits to rest. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised it's not haunted, honestly. It might be. It might be. That could be a question we ask yeah. Elizabeth. Who you've been haunting, girl? Yeah. We're going to get to channeling Elizabeth Short from the Black Dahlia murder. Before we start, I just want to let anyone know that's listening um, that I have a website and it's called sacredflame.love. S A C R E D F L A M E dot love. Um, if you'd like to book a reading with me or just check, Check me out and see what I'm about. Feel free. Just testing. I brought two pendulums with me, too. I'm going to test. And she is really ready. What I usually do, uh, I'm going to ask her questions, but I want to let her come through naturally, how she comes through. That's what I do in my mediumship. Mm -hmm. I sometimes get images or hear voices or, you know, they come through in different ways. So I'm just going to take a moment of silence and see mm-hmm. what I pick up on right now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So right off the bat, she's excited to be here. She's been following along. She's showing me an image of her. And it looks like she might be like 14 or 15 years old. And she's in a bathing suit in the front yard laying with her mom. And she's taking flowers 
the brightest flowers that she can find around her. And she's putting them on her lips and on her cheeks. And her mom is putting them on her lips and on her cheeks. Uh, we didn't talk. I'm sorry. Uh, what a beautiful memory. Um, she's saying there wasn't a lot of information about her mom. There was about her dad. Her dad was not a very good person, but she wants to get the message out to anybody that's listening that her mom was a very powerful person in her life mm -hmm. and that her mom was good to her. And she had a loving upbringing with her mother. Oh, I resonate um, with that so much. So that's the message she's sending me right now. Just out in the sun with her mom and then putting, like, using it as, like, rouge. she says rouge. Yeah. Um, I would say blush, but she's using rouge. the word uh, rouge. And she's putting it on her lips. And her mom's helping her. And they're doing it oh to each God, other. I so I just want to, like relay that message because she's like my mom was amazing and her mom she said was beautiful so oh. you think i'm beautiful you should see my mom oh. and her and her mom her mom's coming through with her right now so oh. her mom is in the natural with her right now oh Sorry, i hear you hard no i it's like um and her mother encouraged her to go and to be free and to make a life for herself and have and be as famous she was showing me that her mom was really encouraging. And mm -hmm. she was like, get it, baby. You know, you can do anything. That's inspiring. Mm -hmm. But then she said when she got there, she had so much hope and so much just like excitement in her heart. And it was like one dead end after another dead end after another dead end with her. And yeah, she got around her dad and she was just like, ew. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. She's giving me this energy of her being around her dad and her just being like, fuck him. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just going to go do my own thing until he kicks me out. And that's what happened. He was really verbally abusive to her. And she realized within those, that really short time period, cause her mom had tried to warn her, mm -hmm. but it was kind of hard for her too. Cause a flood of emotions came back to her and memories of how he abused her mom. Mm -hmm. um, she wants to talk about how she met George she wants to talk about George right now. Okay. Um, she did some um, adult films. Mm -hmm. I thought there was only one. She's saying that she did multiple. There were some done within the home. His George's home. home. <laughs> okay. She said that she was not a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> she said that she, she said for the right amount of money she was. Oh, Elizabeth, I yeah. adore you. <laughs> Yeah, uh, she has such a free spirit, um, what I'm feeling for her right now. And she didn't see anything wrong with it. She was proud of who she was because she's like, because again, my mom instilled, use what you got. As she should. She, yeah, should, she should be proud of herself. I'm going to use the pendulum right now. I need to ask a question. I'm shaking. It's a lot of energy. I'm asking her if there were two people involved. She says that's kind of like a loaded question because the person that um, took her life, there was only one. But there were other people involved, is what she's saying. So we'll get to that in a moment. Um, I'm going to ask her right now if she can let me know what the event was. Because mm -hmm. um, that, that was a question from somebody, what the event was leading up to her martyr. Mm -hmm. She's showing me that she was pregnant. And that George also gave her an abortion, but it worked. So there was that. 
I wonder if that's why she was cut in half. It was George. Um, she ended up pregnant. <clears throat> and um, she said that it was his baby. And she said that in hindsight, she shouldn't have tried to extort anything from him. But she did. Mm. Part of her wanted to keep the baby. Mm-hmm. Even though that she knew that it could cost her her career, you know, in her mind, like mm-hmm. her dreams and her hopes that she had for herself. But somewhere in her mind, she was thinking that if she had the baby, that he would pay child support and help her. She could be an actress with a baby as well. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm getting really dizzy right now. This is really hard for her. Um, mm-hmm. He tied her up, mm-hmm. bound her legs and bound her wrist and bound her neck because she fought with everything that she had inside of her (laughs) okay so I'm asking her about the tic-tac-toe like what was that all about and she's telling me that um that there was this like really stupid argument that they had where she was like no there's a trick to tic-tac-toe where you can actually like Mm. win and she was like joking around and she was drunk and I'm sorry, my whole body is shaking right I can, now. Yeah, I'm like, I want to um, hold your hand, but I don't want to interfere. Um, she was saying that she was just joking around, and she was drunk, and she was just playing with him. Mm-hmm. And she would always do, like, tic-tac-toe, like, when she was bored or when she's on the phone or when she's just, like, doodling, she would do that. And he's like, that's so stupid. Like, you're playing yourself tic-tac-toe. Like, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so he had made some comment to her joking around she's like no there's a secret to it there's a trick to it where Mm -hmm. you can actually win a tic-tac-toe and he's like you're fucking stupid like are you a child like who says that of course he would say that and so um she's saying that when he he was torturing her Mm -hmm. and he played a game with her life with tic-tac-toe he's like show me that there's a trick to it if you know the trick to tic-tac-toe then you can win and if you win at tic-tac-toe, I'll let you go. So that was part of um, that was part of the game that he played with her. And um, he cut her mouth while she was still alive mm-hmm. um, because she wouldn't smile for him. She said he had her for what seemed like three days. So the event leading up to it was her pregnancy. Mm-hmm. But she said that it, there was more to it than that. Uh-huh. The serial killer in Ohio did not have anything to do with it except for the fact that George was infatuated with the case. Oh, that makes sense. He was infatuated with the case. My pendulum is just like going crazy over that. So I feel like I'm like deep breathing right into the microphone. (laughs) It's okay. Did George have someone else to help him dispose of the body of your body? So he did have somebody helping him. Which would make sense why this, the, the secretary knew something. Oh, let me ask about the secretary. Mm-hmm. Did the secretary have anything to do with it? Oh, yeah, definitely. She had knowledge of it. See the pendulum? Mm-hmm. It's for real. Right, yeah. Did, she not, did her and the secretary get along? Mm-hmm. She's like, we didn't get along. We weren't friends, but we weren't enemies. Did the secretary know of his whereabouts? Okay, so the secretary, she's saying, was covering for him for those three days. 
So oh. canceling appointments and rearranging people because she said it wasn't a complete three days, but it was pretty close. It felt to her like three days. Yeah. But she was also being tortured and held and yeah. tormented and being abused. And um, she was in a lot of pain. Yeah. I was going to say not knowing when it's ever going to end. Yeah. Um. So that's what she's saying. And that's probably why they found her without a uterus. I was, I, I literally thought that. Because those were parts of the, um, the things that they left out. Was like She had been partially disemboweled and she had no uterus because there was a baby in there. When you said that she was pregnant, I said, I wondered if that's why she was cut in half. Mm-hmm. That's what popped in my head. And she's saying yes. I don't know. Is there any other questions that you want me to ask her? I was going to say, how is she doing now? <laughs> is she well, when she first came through, she was like super happy. Yeah. I feel like if she were alive today, she would, she would be our friend. Like she's just, she nods her head. Yeah. Yes. 100%. The more I found out about her, yeah, the if more we could catch it. She says, yeah, if we could keep up with her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she kind of, yeah. 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 She kind of said, yeah, you'd be my friend if you could keep up with me. <laughs> and see her winking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just in a playful way. Like, catch yeah. me if you can kind of energy. Like, she was just shooting for the stars. And what is it with this guy, like, in pregnancies? And maybe that was part of it. Maybe because how oh, she's nodding her head. Yes, because of the, what he had gone through, like, with his daughter mm-hmm. and the whole trial and everything like that. Just giving her an abortion or a forced abortion would not look good on him. Mm -mm. And she had the control and she had the power over him. And she didn't realize it at the time how sadistic he really was because Mm -hmm. part of her trusted him. She knew that he was a jerk. But she had slept with him multiple times. She had partied with him multiple times. Mm -hmm. She didn't think he would do that to her. He's a narcissist. And narcissists freak out when you when they lose the control. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> I guess maybe ask her if there's anything else she wants to be heard because it's her story. She says no. I have one last question. Okay. <laughs> if she, <Look. laughs> my pendulum's <laughs> like, okay, what's your one last question? Well, if, if you could be in any movie that came about, what would it have been? Like if you could have been in like, Gone. Oh, right away. I don't even need the pendulum. She said I'd be in the Black Dahlia. Oh, my God. <laughs> she said that movie did not do her justice oh, at all. You're she wonderful. she could play the, play, write it herself and uh, play in it, she would. Uh, to tell the true story of, of her. Of her and what happened. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, she said without a doubt it would be the Black Dahlia. I was like gone with the wind. Any nope. of them. She's like, nope, that's not mm-hmm. my style. And she would play her sex scenes and she would mm-hmm. play... All of it, and she would start it with her mom laying in the grass with her. See, that's why I connected to her, her connection to her mom. So she's there. She's good. Like She's happy we did this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So we, she, she her, feels heard. She, I hope she does. She does. That's all I want for she's her. She's with her mom. You know. I have goosebumps. I oh. do, too. <sighs> Yeah, I know. I was like, I wanted I was to not t- expect. I know I wanted to hold your hand, but I didn't want to interrupt. It's starting to warm up now. It was yeah. I had such a cold energy. I was like freezing I'm all cold. the way to yes. my bones. 
um i was shaking a lot mm-hmm. so oh i feel better now i can feel her pulling her energy back i just want yeah. to thank her yeah i would say thank you and she's off all right well this definitely wraps up this very unique episode of the Lionsgate podcast with Saudi Nomni. Stay tuned to next week and remember friends to keep your minds open. Namaste.